Hello and welcome to the Hiring Enablement Podcast. My name is Gavin Spears, CEO of Solutions Driven, a global recruiting partner that guarantees right first-time hiring. In today's episode, we're going to talk about shifting TA and putting the business and candidate at the centre of everything that we do. And I'm delighted to be joined by Amanda Davenport. Amanda has spent her career in the tech industry with experience in IT, managed services, digital transformation and SaaS product startups. After Amanda worked in her first leadership role, she transitioned into TA or into the TA industry due to her frustration with the lack of defined hiring process at her previous company. Amanda proactively requested to take charge of the full life cycle from a hiring point of view and quickly realized the potential for alignment with other business processes and also witnessed impactful results almost overnight. This success has led um, to organizational scaling and TA eventually becoming Amanda's full-time role. Today, Amanda holds the position of leading the talent acquisition function for a social impact software called Submittable, and the company doubled in size in 2022 under her TA leadership and is projected to achieve another 70% growth in 2023. In terms of highlights and career or success uh, and career highlights, has been getting to build a TA function from scratch more than once and really proud of the commitment of our team that is around consistent iteration, you know, always improving uh, by 1% every day, you know, making sure that they show up day in, day out, staying competitive, cutting edge and world class. And also in two of our last four years has been lucky enough to lead small, super efficient teams that have doubled headcount through those, through those two years. Out with TA uh, also keeps busy and hanging out with her dogs, Chloe and Jimmy traveling and is currently an avid follower of Book Talk, which I didn't know what it was, but she had to explain that to me. And also um, all of her favorite bands from when she was in high school are touring right now. Again, I wasn't aware of Dashboard Confessional, but now I, but now I know. Um, so Amanda, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Gavin. Thanks so much for having me. I'm no, proud to be here. It's no problem at all. So, so let's dive in. As I said at the start, today's really around you know, shifting TA and putting the business and the candidate at the center of everything TA do. And, and maybe the first area I was keen to focus on was around, in your experience, how can TA leaders effectively align their strategies with the overall business goals and priorities? Yeah, I think that's such a good question. Um, and it's, it's something that I, uh, I just care so deeply about. Um, you know, I think one of the really cool vantage points that we get in TA as our job function is um, an opportunity to really understand um, holistically all the ins and outs of how uh, the organization is structured and how all of the pieces work together. And I think the more that we take an intentional approach to understanding all of those nuances and pieces, the easier it is for us to map our strategic initiatives to what the company is doing. Um, so um, if, for example, right now, uh, product development is something that's really important to uh, the organization that we are at. So is scaling. We're getting ready to look at um, expanding to have global presence and reach. And so um, really becoming that this will sound cliche because everyone in TA says this now, but becoming that trusted partner with the executive team um, and really being able to understand what their initiatives are and then kind of reverse engineering backwards um, and then getting down to the, the tactical or I guess really more like surgical approach with your hiring managers and really getting in there and coaching your hiring managers to start thinking that way too. Um, so when we talk about... Um, you know, headcount or hiring net new or especially backfills. It's um, talent and value. And so yeah. 
if we're replacing talent, are we replacing a specific skill set or is this an opportunity to um, hire a gap um, that's mm-hmm. going to help further whatever that team's initiative is and, and help the company achieve its overarching goal? Excellent, super. And and again, maybe leading on just you know from that, um, what steps do you think are these key steps that TA teams can take to really enhance that candidate-centric approach and also just create world-class uh, candidate experience? Yeah, um, I think the landscape there has changed so much on both ends. Um, if you spend any amount of time on LinkedIn, um, I feel like it's in the process of becoming um, one, super depressing because of all of the people <laughs> who've been laid off, and that's really sad. Um, Two, all of the people trying to get jobs that are so incredibly frustrated with TA folks, but then also those of us that are in TA saying like, um, hey, we're here and we don't all suck. Um, And we kind of close the gap for all of that. And so um, I think the best way to do that is figure out how to use structure hiring if you're not. use behavioral based interview questions make sure that your interview questions are um, aligned to the organization and the department that you're hiring for again when you're doing your your intake um, and working with hiring managers really framing around the need of we're not hiring another human for a butt in seat we're hiring for a skill to help us move the needle. Um, and that frames so much around um, what we do as recruiters and talent sourcers when we start talking to candidates. Um, one of the things that we did this year is start building out ideal candidate profiles. Um, so really, we took a lot of um, prospecting and hunching motions from um, the sales team and best practices there in terms of working with hiring managers to identify you know, what are the main knockouts, what are um, you know, like specific nuances that are required. We match them up organizationally, departmentally, and then within the role. Um, and that kind of becomes the baseline framework for how our sourcers are doing um, sourcing to build that pipeline out. Um, and then it's about consistent communication. And, um, you know, right now we're consistently hiring upwards of 30 roles at any given time. Um, the roles that we're hiring on our engineering team are all senior or higher. Um, so we're looking at senior dev, we're looking at principal, we're looking at senior engineering leadership. Um, and that's a really heavy time investment for all parties involved. And so um, a couple of other things that we've done to really marry up that pre- process with the candidate experience is include um hiring manager videos in our job posts. Yep. Um, review the job posts that we have. And then we are also using a candidate, um, it's like an interview prep guide, which is like a data dump of anything that you're gonna need to know as you go through um, the interview process. And so um, the hiring manager interviews have been um, really great for helping forge that human connection when people are looking at the job post or when one of our recruiters sends it out um, kind of just humanizes that first interaction um, with us in the company you get to put a name to the face you can 
hear their voice, see how their body language is and just kind of get like an initial read. So it doesn't feel quite so intimidating when you go into that first um, interview. We also really challenge our hiring managers to, um, we have like a framework for a, a script, but really it's speaking real time about the role and the impact that that role is going to have on the team and the company and yeah. um, ultimately our clients. Um, I actually brought a copy of the uh, um, interview prep guide with me today um, so that we could share that and kind of go through what that looks like. Um, this is um, an example of something that all of our candidates entering into the interview loop process would get um, after we do the recruiter screen. As you can kind of see, just when you're looking at the interview process, there's a little check mark that says, hey, you've done that. There's your little pin that says, hey, you're here. Um, and we're going to walk through, you know, what the interview loop is. Um, and then at the bottom, we're also going to tell you what your total time investment is. And there's a lot of opinions right now um, about how many interviews is too many interviews, um, types of interviews, all of that kind of stuff. And so I just really like to be super upfront at the beginning um, so mm -hmm. that candidates know what they can expect. Um, for me personally, I'm a little more risk adverse. And so I am, I also apparently am non-committal. So I wouldn't feel comfortable making a jump in my career to a, a role after meeting two people and talking for 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, other people might say like eight hours of interviewing is a lot. Um, and so that kind of just gives um, everybody a good baseline to say, mm -hmm. yes, I'm interested enough in the role to be willing to dedicate eight hours of time to go yeah. through the entire process. Or maybe I'm not actually that serious about my search and um, I'm out. <laughs> Mm -hmm. totally fair either way but um we're not wasting anyone's time that way yeah i mean i think and i'll just i'll scroll down this just to to see i mean i think it's mm -hmm. excellent and and even though seven and a half hours sounds a lot it's a day right so you know when you when you mm -hmm. compare it you know if you're if you're making a career move you know investing a day to speak to six seven yep. eight different people you know doesn't seem a lot but it's excellent i mean i think then breaking down into who you'll talk to um you know the you know the, the question style, the reference checking, yeah. the values, yeah. the CSR. Reference checking is a really interesting one um, that we run into as well, uh, particularly in um, our more technical roles in our dev engineering. Um, it sounds, at least from what I'm hearing from candidates, like fewer and fewer companies are actually doing the reference checks mm -hmm. and are just leaning on background. And we actually do old school reference checks we're going to call yeah. your boss. We're going to ask him questions about you. And it's yeah. not, and we're not just going to say, Hey, do you know Gavin? Would you hire yeah. him again? Like we're, we're going to dig deep. Um, and yeah. so we like to prepare candidates for that yeah. um, as well. It's excellent. And then the CSR piece and then the mission. Yeah. And all of this is yeah. just some stuff about our, our culture, things that yeah. um, we think makes a minimal, a cool place to work. Um, mm some stats in terms of, you know, what we did product wise in the previous year, um, as well as um, some of the software awards that we've um, been awarded uh, so far in 2023 down there at the bottom, if you keep scrolling. Yeah. Um, yep. Um, and then all of our links connecting with us on all of our socials, that picture 
uh, right there is we have the uh, GEM award, which is going the extra mile. Uh, we award that every month at our all hands meeting. And in that particular mm -hmm. one, um, one of our engineering teams um, won the award that month. Excellent. I'll stop sharing. Um, a great, great example. Let me just... Good, super. I mean, I think, you know, some of the things you're saying is, is excellent here. I mean, if it, I think you said at the start that, you know, that there's an uncertain market, which I agree, but there's also still competition for top talent. And, you know, how would you recommend you balance that needs with the business versus candidate expectations? Yeah, um, I think you've got to have a really good strategy and process in place. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that is really tricky when you're in an early stage startup and you're hiring senior level talent is you're going to want, uh, talent from those fang companies, right? Your Facebook, your Apple, your Google, your Microsoft, um, and being in the Seattle, Washington area, we're neighbors with most of those, yeah. um, organizations, right? So we have the luxury of having a very deep pocket of incredible talent. Um, we have the opposite of luxury and they're extremely expensive and yeah. we're in a cash burning business. And so um, really understanding the value proposition, having yeah. crystal clear guidelines around um, what it is that is required to make a successful hiring yeah. Um really making sure that the executive team and the hiring manager has kind of done that, like a risk assessment of um, qualifications and experience and how that maps over to uh, the the talent we're seeking. We're currently actually going through creating a matrix where we take all of those fine companies and their um, career pathing hierarchy. So like dev one, dev two, dev three, senior staff principal, um, group lead, et cetera, um, and map that over to um, years of experience, um, specific uh, requirements or certifications, and then comp ranges so that we can feed that back to the executive team and say, okay, when you tell me to go hire a principal and you tell me my budget is yeah. X, this is what it's going to cost if we pull mm -hmm. talent from this person. Um, and so really kind of arming everybody with the data on both sides and saying, mm -hmm. hey, like this is likely what it's going to cost so we have a more accurate budget. Uh, mm -hmm. But then when we're talking to um, to candidates, not all of them are as concerned about making a move that's dollar for dollars. Actually, a significant number of people that are willing to have a completely different career landscape, a different hierarchy, more opportunity, less structure, um, yeah. less rules, and they're willing to take a pay cut for that. Um, but you have to be able to explain your compensation philosophy around that. And you have yeah. to be super transparent. So yeah. if you're cash burning and you don't have the budget and your compensation philosophy is based off of X, Y, Z, let's talk about that with the candidate. And then talk about the range um, up front in the recruiter screen. Uh, pay transparency and pay equity is something that is a buzzword and is top of mind here in the US. And sadly, it's bleeding edge. Um, and so there's only a handful of states that are actually requiring um, posting the uh, salary range in the job description mm -hmm. itself. Uh, state of Washington is one of them. So you'll find it in all of ours. Um, yeah. But that's a really good way to um, gauge and lead that conversation. 
yeah. particularly when you're talking of, um, to people that are like, oh, hey, I currently make, you know, $150,000 above the top of your comp range. Like, okay, well, let's talk about what the comp range is, why it's posted that way, what wiggle room I have and don't have and why. Yeah. And then we can make a formulated decision on whether or not we move forward. And yeah. more often than not, um, I would say we're getting close to 70, 30. Uh, mm -hmm. People are still really interested in the, in the opportunity and want to continue mm -hmm. the conversation. But they're not going to get surprised at the end when they get an offer that's within the range that we talked about initially. So they know that going in. And I think you're right. I mean, I think, you know, transparency at the start, you know, even if the range is lower than either an expectation or an actual, you know, is, mm -hmm. is goodness. I mean, we 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 have a lot of success around the, the six Fs, we call it six factors. So it looks at, you know, fit, freedom, fulfillment, family, fortune and future. And these are the kind of reasons why candidates typically move in our experience. And you're right, you know, fortune isn't always the the top of the list. So it's really around, you know, understanding the, the wider motivations. But no, probably great insights, Amanda. I mean, I think you've already shared the, the candidate info pack and the interview schedule. Mm -hmm. But any other examples of successful collaboration between, you know, TA business functions that have led to, you know, improved or positive hiring outcomes? Um, well, let's see. We talked about the candidate profiles. We talked about um the prep guides. Um uh I would say interview literacy and interview training for hiring managers, um, especially people that are new to leadership and are also um, have been in it for a while. Like everybody just needs consistent refreshers on that. The landscape yeah. changes so quickly. Um, and so it just, it's something that needs to happen on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, it's how we make sure we're all telling the same story, using the same language. Yeah. Uh, we template whatever we can and automate whatever we can in the interest of efficiency, not removing um, human touch. So um, our recruiters have um, specific talking points that they will hit for each um, role in department, um, the history overview, um, product roadmap, and like company kind of state of affairs, all of that stuff um, mm -hmm. is the same. So we make sure we're telling the same narrative there. Um, I think for our organization, our engineering uh, team does an incredible job with their hiring structure and hiring for culture first. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm really hoping to see us scale that more organizationally in 2024. Mm -hmm. And so that's a plug for our super awesome um, engineering leadership. And I'm not going to drop names because you don't want anyone to try to poach them. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, having guiding principles, helping uh, leadership understand why those are important and critical in the hiring process um, and giving structure and autonomy i think those are um two things figuring out how the two of those work together in like a greater uh, kind of community of people um we're seeing really um, great results quicker ramp and um higher retention as a result of um, those things i mean i think i remember the last time we spoke something that you said really resonated was around at the start of a hiring process um agreeing with the hiring manager or team how much time they're allocating to to the process 
and how much time you're allocating to the process. And I've actually never thought of it that mm-hmm. way. Do you know what I mean? I think, you know, you, you always, yeah. you know, as, as the recruiter or the TA person, you think, okay, this is my task. But you're absolutely right. It's a team sport. And, you know, I, I like the mm-hmm. way that you, I like the way you played that. Yeah, it absolutely is a, a team sport. And um, sorry about my dog. Um, it's okay. I, I think that a lot of hiring managers don't think about that either i think that mm-hmm. and more often than not they are under the impression that recruiting is going to do the heavy lifting yeah. um and that's not to downplay the work that we do mm-hmm. um top of funnel support is incredibly important all of our yeah. recruitment marketing making sure that candidates are you know really getting that white glove touch through every stage of the process mm-hmm. but something that does get overlooked a lot is the level of effort that needs to come from the hiring manager in order for it to be done well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's kind of this um, iterative partnership Mm -hmm. that says, have you thought about how much time you have in your day that you're willing to dedicate this um, to this? And a lot of times the answer is no. So, Mm -hmm. okay, we got to work that backwards. Then you're telling me that you need this role filled in 45 days. And you're telling me you can do one interview a week. And you're off and you're off for vacation in between. Yeah. And you're gonna (laughs) take a vacation and you're off every other Friday. Like, okay, like we're we're gonna have to reprioritize here. Um and I I like to approach it a little more systematically than you know, just putting Mm -hmm. our effort in whoever's screaming the loudest. Um and and really try to tie uh quantitative data points Mm -hmm. to it. So um and those are some of the things that help yeah, lead those conversations. Um, and like it, it's also just, it makes everything go so much quicker. If my recruiting coordinator knows that for personal bandwidth and professional bandwidth, a hiring manager is going to have exhaustion and burnout after two interviews per day. And maybe we can't do more than, you know, five in a week. Okay, well, we know that. Now we can make a projection on how long it's going to take to hire based on historical data. Yeah. Um, and our recruiter, like our coordinator knows how many people we can move through the process. Mm-hmm. And our recruiters can set realistic timelines with candidates that are entering the pipeline because we know how far out we're booked. Good, super. I mean, I think you've touched on it just, just very briefly there. And I know you're very uh, data-led, but you know, in, in your experience, yeah. again, what what role does does data driven decision making play in again both optimizing business impact candidate engagement you know through the process? Yeah, so for me, um, we have to start with what the definition of being data driven is, mm-hmm. um, and so for me personally, the way I use it, there's the data, there's the numbers, there's the graphs. And then there's also the human element of the human experience and partnering those up. And the truth is somewhere in the middle. So if you look at it like a Venn diagram, one circle is numbers, one circle is people. And really the data that we're after is that piece in the middle. Yep. Um, I like to collect data on everything. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have a really robust um dashboard it's homegrown we made it in um google sheets actually um with some inspiration from um, some other kind of market leaders that actually have tooling for that um so uh, plug for gem if you have the budget 
go get it um, mm -hmm. or anything that's going to give you um, interactive dashboards. Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing is I, one, um, don't ever want my boss to be in a position where she's going to get surprised. And sometimes mm -hmm. my executive team will ask weird questions and they'll want to know what the time to fill was in Q1 of 2021 on the R&D team. So I track everything yeah. um, and they know where to find it. And okay. I know where to find it quickly. What is actually what we're using on day to day though is not nearly that um, robust, but it does give us really good insights. Um, the two where I see us optimizing and dialing in holistically across the entire organization and employee life cycle is um, looking at cost per comparative hire and uh, quality of hire. And so um, the cost per hire, we have actually even dialed it down into not just internal costs from uh, talent acquisition, but the average number of interviews that a candidate will go through in each stage of the loop. And then we've taken all of that and calculated basically hourly rates for every person that's in the interview loop and how much money internally we're spending to put one candidate through the loop and then however many of those we do. And so now I can take that information back to the hiring manager or the department head. And like if we use VP of product, for example, that's eight hours um, of a candidate's time, but mm -hmm. more um, in some yeah. cases for people that are in the loop. So now we're saying we interview 10 people and it takes eight hours. That costs us this amount of time and this many hours that we were interviewing instead of doing, you know, the product work. Yeah. Um, that's been very, very high opening for our, um, our hiring teams and has made them um, much more willing to give us feedback quickly yeah. if we're on track or off track. And it's also made them... Um, slightly less risk adverse when it comes to hiring the most perfect candidate and really mm -hmm. looking at what can we train for and what do we need to hit the ground running with. Mm -hmm. um, similarly, on the quality of hire piece, a lot of that data is really important, but we've partnered really closely with HR um, on our 30, 60, 90 day plans to start um, managing how long uh, candidates take or how long new employees take to ramp um, mm -hmm. and then what their um, first performance score is. Um, and we actually will look at that um, on kind of like a curve to see where in line they fall. Um, and then we'll pull their interview data, tie that back into the search yeah. process and continuously tweak. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, the, the piece on, cost per hire or almost business cost per hire. You know, there's a lot of mm -hmm. TA teams that get really infatuated about, you know, driving cost per hire down. But to your point, the the, the TA cost per hire is probably a tenth of the business cost per hire, you know? So I think your point is really valid on, you know, let's look mm -hmm. at the bigger picture here and the impact of those involved. Excellent. This has been super. I mean, I think just to close off, um, from your experience again, you know what you know for for other TA leaders or the HR leaders listening to the podcast. What's your biggest learning through your TA career, and any advice you would share with with other peers? 
Yeah. Um, one, get comfortable with reporting. It can make your life so much easier. Um, two, I like to lead and build relationships with curiosity. Um, I want to know what, I want to know what you do. I want to know what your job is. And I want to know why the job that I'm hiring for is important and how it impacts the bottom line. And I want to see that work in like the business operation flowchart. And so I think um, anything that you can do to further advance your own business acumen just based on like general business principles, but also as it pertains specifically to the organization, Mm -hmm. um, it's just going to help you in the long run. Um, I know everybody says, you know, be a business partner, be an advisor, be a consultant. In order to do that, though, you actually have to know what the business does and how the different business units operate and to interoperate. Um, And I think that that's, you know, like that's for me anyway, that's really interesting and uh one of the reasons why i love talent acquisition so much is that puzzle piece of putting the people and the qualifications and the opportunity and the skill set gap and like putting that all together to see how we can accomplish really great things together um and so yeah i think um be curious ask questions Mm -hmm. um be opinionated uh that's how you, I think that's how you build trust. Yeah, good. This has been excellent. I mean, you've added so much value and insights and, and really, really appreciate it. I mean, I think from my side, you know, to close, thanks to the listeners, you know, who, who have, have tuned in. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. If there's any other topics that you would like me to discuss in future, please let me know. But more importantly, thanks to Amanda. I think you've shared some fantastic insights and documents and ideas and metrics that you're you're focused on. So thank you for your time. Really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was fun. No problem. Good to speak to you. Thank you. Likewise.